0: So one time while I was taking a rosary walk, I saw this big old snapping turtle trying to slowly cross a very busy street. And as I watched him struggling, I decided I would go and help make his dangerous crossing a little bit easier by picking him up and carrying him safely to the edge of the water that was right on the other side of the road. But when I bent down and grabbed hold of him where he couldn't bite me, that snapping turtle let out the most awful, the angriest, the most blood curdling hiss you could even imagine. I was so shocked that I almost threw the thing away from him. I was like, get away from me, I don't want to help you anymore. But somehow I managed to hold on to him and I proceeded to save his life. Unfortunately, that turtle thought that I was his enemy. He did not realize that I was only there to make his life a whole lot better. I wanted to prevent him from being smashed to smithereens along the road. But despite my best intentions, he still thought in his little turtle brain that I was trying to hurt him. This is the sort of misunderstanding that the prophet Jeremiah is dealing with in our first reading this weekend, isn't it? In those days, we heard, the princes said to the king, Jeremiah ought to be put to death. He's demoralizing the soldiers who are left in this city and all the people by speaking such things to them. He's not interested in the welfare of our people, but in their ruin. In a sense, the people, the princes, hissed at the prophet Jeremiah because he dared to deliver the authentic word of God that had been given to him. Now, granted, he did have some very hard words for the people to hear. He had been preaching somewhat doom and gloom. Israel would be taken into captivity, he warned them. They would all go into exile soon. And worst of all, perhaps, he said that the best path forward involved surrendering to the Babylonians to willingly give up, to let let the people of Israel lose. What an unthinkable option. How dare he? It seemed to all of the leaders of Israel that the prophet Jeremiah was not trying to help them, but rather he seemed to be hurting them. So they became hostile and they threw him into that cistern. But does this reaction really surprise us? Because prophets and preachers of the word are almost always rejected when they come to try to help us. I look back at all of the the good-willed priests that preached to me when I was a kid, and I, I rejected and resisted each and every one of them. Prophets and preachers of the word are almost always mocked and resisted, always hissed at, even when they're just trying to help us. Today we heard that Jeremiah got thrown down into that muddy cistern. Isaiah apparently eventually got cut in two by a wooden saw. Elijah was run right out of town and had to lay low in a cave for a while. John the Baptist in the New Testament was imprisoned, and later he was beheaded. Why? For daring to say what needed to be said. For being bold, truthful mouthpieces of the living God. For sharing, yes, some unpleasant truths that, at first anyways, seem to sting, but ultimately are meant to help people turn away from the unhappiness of sin, and turn toward the perfect will of God, which brings happiness and freedom. This reminds me of one of my all-time favorite scenes in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. To set the scene a little bit, an angel comes to meet a human soul, a ghost, who is faced with a really big decision of whether or not he wants to stay in heaven. The only problem is is that there is an evil lizard living on this person's shoulder which is constantly whispering into the ghost's ear, telling him all sorts of lies, encouraging him to give in to all sorts of earthly, lustful things. And the angel tells the ghost that that this lizard is a very serious problem, and he asks the ghost point-blank whether or not he had permission to kill the lizard. When the angel steps forward, however, the ghost shrieks in pain. He hisses at the angel. Get back! You're burning me! How can I tell you to kill it? You'd kill me if you did. It is not so, the angel replies. But you're hurting me now, the ghost responds. Well, I never said it wouldn't hurt you. I said it wouldn't kill you. Doesn't that sound familiar? How often have we prayed, God, please help me. But when the Lord actually does show up to help us, we let out that horrific hiss like that little turtle did. No, don't help me that way, God. That's not the way I wanted you to help me. What's the big idea? You are hurting me. Ultimately, the ghost does, thankfully, give the angel permission to go through with it, to kill that little lizard despite the burning pain. And the ghost is then set free. He's liberated, and he's able to become a real solid man, and he gallops off into the depths of heaven. That's the goal. That is what Jesus wants to do for each of us. He said it himself in that beautiful and, yes, intense gospel passage that we just heard. I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. That scripture happens to be inscribed Right out there on our sidewalk in front of our parish, uh, there's a picture of the burning bush. Have you noticed it out there? What a great message to see as we come to Mass every single Sunday. Because Jesus wants His whole church to be set on fire with real desire, real hope, real love, real truth. He wants us to be set free from all of the lies and all of the sins that do weigh us down and prevent us from being saints. Therefore, as our second reading from the letter to the Hebrews said so well, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. In order for that to happen, however, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and to relentlessly rid ourselves of every single burden and attachment to sin, then we do need to hear what we don't really want to hear sometimes. We will need to be confronted and convicted by the truth. In my time here at St. Bede, I'm, I'm still really new here, but in my time, however long I'm here for you, I will have to share some difficult words with you at times. It comes with the territory of being a preacher. And I I can promise you this, that, that I will share the truths of our Catholic faith. That's what you, the people of God, deserve to hear. But it may be hard for some to hear. So when I share those words, whenever that happens, I'll keep you on your toes please know that I don't want to hurt you or offend you. Quite the opposite, in fact. I want you to be free and happy. I want you to be set on fire. God sends you priests in order that you and your family can get to heaven one day. Nothing is more important to me than that. Avoiding being offensive, is not a good enough reason to passively lead anyone down or let someone go down the wrong path, a path away from the Lord. And so I guess in this homily, all I'm trying to say is know that I am always going to be on your side. Whenever I need to address a tough topic from the pulpit here or in the confessional, when I have to challenge the prevailing narrative of our current culture, please understand that I'm only attempting to help carry you across the road safely. Maybe some will hiss. I don't know. We'll find out. It'll be fun. And if you do, don't worry. Come and talk to me. Fine. But no priest should enjoy that, right? It's not my intention or desire to make that happen. After all, Jeremiah took absolutely no pleasure in delivering his difficult prophecies— When Jesus says in our gospel today that he came not to establish peace but division, he obviously wasn't saying that he enjoys creating turmoil or unrest in this world. He came to save this world and bring it into peace with God. So why would he intend for a father to be divided from his son or a mother from her daughter? No, he would much rather his teachings not upset Or offend anyone. And when that does happen, I think that his sacred heart is broken. And yet, and this is the hard part of today's teaching, Jesus is still willing to spark division if it means staying true to the Father. He's willing to courageously take all of that rejection head on because he knows that it will be worth it. In the end, just look at the cross. Like, really look at it for a moment. As we heard in our second reading, for the sake of the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and has taken his seat at the right of the throne of God. Jesus allowed everyone to reject, mock, ridicule, and yes, hiss at him, Because he knew that the joy of the resurrection lay before him. And what's more, he knew that in being crucified, in laying down his life freely, those same people who rejected him would also then have the chance to be healed and converted. Jesus endured such opposition from sinners, such opposition from me, from you, not to shame us or discourage us, but in order to light a fire in our souls, to melt our icy hearts and fill us with that same courage to live the truth, even if it costs us our family, our friends, even our very lives. I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. Jesus, we ask you that you would please set fire to our hearts, set fire to this parish. It's already burning in so many beautiful ways, Let it roar all the more. Let us not shrink back or hiss angrily at your helping hand. We know that you don't ever want to hurt us. We trust you and we love you.